Just some podcast media. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Buried Pleasures are those of the host and the guests and do not represent any views of any organizations that we may volunteer for or be employed by. Listeners should be aware that there may, most likely, be profanity and discussions on topics that may require a little discretion. You have been warned. I came from the mud. There's dirt on my hands. Strong Welcome, welcome to another episode of Buried Pleasures. I'm your hostess, Pollyanna Amazing. And today, I have a kindred spirit in more ways than one on the show. And would you like to introduce yourself, sir, please? So great to be here. My name is Janiji. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Janiji. What's going on today? How are you, sir? Uh, I woke up this morning just in a whole different world. I've never been on your show before. I've never done a lot of things I was scheduled to do today. <laughs> so I'm kind of just, you know, bouncing, having some fun, doing some gotcha. new things. That's fantastic. And what we like to do here is find out what people's pleasures are. And when I found out what you do, I was very interested. And we also found through our discussions before the show that we are definitely more than kindred. We're kind of from the same dirt, like you said. (laughs) So, Janiji, tell me, where do you come from? I grew up on this small little farm community in Ohio back in the very, very early 60s. Mm-hmm. And from there, learned neighboring and learned morals and learned a lot of things. And I took some of that out into the world and some of the crazy part too, but originally grew up in a small farm in Ohio, small farm community. I'm really happy to always have farmers on my show or people who grew up on farms because then I feel like you understand my crazy. And I say that in a nice way, but there are people that just don't understand how it works. And when you come from that kind of lifestyle, it's definitely different than your, let's say, my husband's from Cleveland, Ohio. They weren't doing what we were doing. (laughs) (laughs) So I was so excited to hear that from you. But now you have taken the farm background and you have run with it. And you are now a part of something greater than yourself. So let's talk about that journey, how you got there. What started your path? to greatness that you're in right now. (laughs) I appreciate the greatness part. I'm definitely just a regular human being. But what happened was, is that growing up in this small community in Ohio, we moved a lot growing up. And one of the places we moved to was from Ohio to North Dakota. And I was like eight years old. And all of a sudden, I realized very early on just how much of a difference it is going to some of these schools where in the farm school, They'd pick me up around seven in the morning and then bring me back by noon because part of the school was that you worked on the farm. So I was in a farm school as opposed to regular city school. Mm-hmm. So I went on for a while. So when I went to regular city school again in North Dakota, they didn't think I was that advanced. They thought I was quite far behind. So they were going to put me in a different kind of class and they realized that it wasn't. So I ended up in this school for gifted children in Minot, North Dakota. And I just released it about a year earlier, so there I am going to a college campus as third grade, and I'm in this special school, and had it not been for that, my life would have been quite different. So going from learning to just be able to do what I did in that community to then moving somewhere else, it's like a different bubble, a whole different world of learning, and that changed me. It gave me tools I never knew I had. And then when we went back to move to Ohio, I'm having tools and insights and knowledge that they're like, we don't do that. That's not reality here. So I've learned very early on that there's such a difference in mindset. Now, 
I didn't understand that then. It took me another 40 years to figure right. that out. Right. But it's quite interesting to, you know, even very early on, looking back at just the differences in communities and knowledge and what's here and what's and what's not there. I don't think had I not grown up in that type of a community and then going out into the big, big bad world, yeah. I would have noticed that. I'm a huge fan of social experiments, right? I always thought <laughs> yeah. that working in the ER and when you sit and watch a group of people in a lobby waiting to be patients in the emergency room, you see the best and worst of people. And I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> you totally do. Like <laughs> she got here way after I did. Why is she being seen? Because she's got a hole in her that's not stopped bleeding. Okay. You're breathing. You're okay. It's this is what we have to do. Okay. Sorry. It's not a line. <laughs> it's a triage yeah, system. <laughs> my splinter should take precedence over that gunshot wound. I was Correct. here first. But then you'll also see the most kind people. Oh, somebody's vomiting or what have you. And somebody's coming to their aid that doesn't work there. That just is a good human being. And growing up in a tight-knit farm community, going out into the world, it is a huge, big, like, it's a shock because, oh, you don't know your neighbors and you don't know everybody's grandma and grandpa. And your mom didn't date my dad's second cousin. <laughs> so I have a little free reign here. I can be anybody I want to be. Did you find when you were in that school in North Dakota, did you start seeing kids that you recognized who were just like you? I know we had talked about this before. When you look at the same person in the mirror, and that reflecting back, you already know that those are your people. So did you find that happening? There, I found a camaraderie in learning that I didn't have elsewhere. I found a camaraderie in part of our learning was we were building these Estes model rockets. So here I am learning how to build these rockets. And I'd done that on the farm years earlier. I'd put a mouse in Big Bertha thinking, hey, you know, the little parachute will come down. The mouse right. will be fine. I come to find out that the little tube wasn't attached to the parachute. Oh, my. I learned going to North Dakota when we were doing the rockets there that we really ought to glue the pieces together. But this is the common sense. These are the things that we just take for granted. Because right. in Ohio, like you said, we didn't have fences. I never had a fence between houses growing up. Yeah. We knew everybody. In 78, when there was the huge blizzard in Ohio, we're on the back of snowmobiles helping our neighbors. When yep. Zeno, Ohio, a few years before that, was wiped off the map. We know each other. We care. And I don't find that where I am now, yeah. living in Vegas. It's a whole different mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, when I look back, and you just said you think most people have common sense. That is, that's a nice <laughs> thing to say. But that, I you love know, people. I know you do. I know you do. And I love people too. But there are the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you are an educator now. Now you have your own style of education. I have my own style of education. And some people need a different style than others. And finding somebody who resonates with you, who fits into those puzzle pieces together, they fit perfectly so that you get the best experience out of your education. That's why I will always share as many things on the show that I can that I find intriguing because I think I'm hard to impress. <laughs> I think it's hard to get me to be like, oh, well, that's just like everybody, you know, everybody's doing that now. It's like with everything, somebody jumps on a bandwagon and we just get going. But there are certain people that I run across 
you are in particular one of those people that I think this gentleman has a great message to give to other people and important things to share to other humans so that we all get on that relationship. We can't relate to people unless we have a common thread and you cannot have a relationship without being able to relate first. Michael Gibson, a really good speaker and a friend of mine, he told me that relationship piece and I just, that just sticks in my mind because I think it's a beautiful thing and it's, it's relatable, right? The relationship is relatable. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that has helped us as educators here was really two insights that came when I started teaching in the classroom, I realized very early on that there was one teacher, I hate using the word, one, one educator, one person standing in front, mm -hmm. speaking and teaching, but that in the classroom, there could be 35 or 50 or 500, depending on the size of the room, different translated versions of it happening in the seats. So a lot of what I was teaching in the very early days was I was teaching, but then so much translation. I was wondering why individuals weren't getting the same outcome. Why do two people go through the same thing and come out differently? If it's the event or the person speaking, then it should be experienced exactly the same. But when I realized that what's happening is that information is coming in through our senses and then it's being filtered by our subconscious. And then on the screen in my mind, I see it after the filter. And if I don't understand what's happening in their mind, not just my mind, and the more I understand about my mind, I know what's going on in theirs because mind is mind. And that made a huge difference of understanding that it's called psychology of mind, that just because I'm having a reality in my mind doesn't mean that it's the same reality in their mind, yet we're having the exact same experience. Absolutely. So that first part helped me then build a teaching style that was function-based, not folk and the reason why there's so many different teaching styles is because it's folk-based, it's belief-based. When we look at the human being, the firstborn, and that's one of the key elements of what we teach here, is that the firstborn, hey, when we came out of mama, we had logic, wisdom, rationality, emotional control, executive function, that no matter what our mind is saying or our body's feeling, we can go, yeah, that's nice, but I still have this to do, so we can override that. Mm -hmm. That's the features of creativity, imagination of the firstborn, of who we really are. And then we become this folk. We're taught how to go from being a functionally sound human being to now a belief-based human being. Mm -hmm. We're now educators, and this is where I think the system is wrong. Yeah. Educators are teaching based on folk, on ideas, not function. So this person over here is not a reader. We're going to enable their belief of not a reader, and we're going to change part of a curriculum so then they can hear it with sound. So they're going to go through their whole life now having to have education based on this because I re I'm not a reader. I learn visually, not this way. And it's all bull because functionally... I'm capable of learning just like anyone else. I learned this in the school in North Dakota. It's not being taught elsewhere that when we're a function-based individual, I can learn anything. When I'm a folk, you know, I can only hear, learn the things that match my belief systems. Yeah. And oh goodness, that's this, what's made the difference here. 
And so in that, I'm so excited about like just the process that you were just speaking about. Having the ability to tell somebody that they need to stop the rhetoric of what they've been told their whole life. I'll say, I don't do math well. And I've been told my whole life, geez, you'll never be able to do math. But daggone it, I try really hard. (laughs) But maybe if somebody had told me one day, hey, you can do all of these things. Stop doubting yourself. You can actually do these things. Maybe that would have made a difference. But because of that belief, just like being raised on a farm in Kentucky, girls do this, boys do that. All of the, you know, the, it's just the way that society has been. Things are a little bit different, definitely, than they ever have been, I'm sure. Which, you know, you said you grew up in the 60s. I'm a 70s baby. But things have changed markedly since I was a youth. The things that my kids look at me and say, Mom, you can't say that anymore. I'm like, oh, I know. But there's nothing that comes from my mouth on purpose that's ever meant to be hurtful. But now, could maybe be considered hurtful. So in that aspect, how have you changed how you used to be? Like you said, you went to school in North Dakota and this opened your eyes. What are What's one of the greatest things that you can say that you have changed in your belief system since this enlightenment has happened for you? No, we're not broken. I spent 45 years being told I was broken in this way and that way. I've got scars from suicide because what i was told was it's just going to be this way forever so if i'm broken and this is it and helplessness was my diagnosis what's changed unbelievably changed is that one day i saw a thought arise and i literally saw this thought in my head and for the first time i realized that this thing operates independently from me And before I was taking thoughts as instructions, I'm thinking it and feeling it, then it must be true. No one ever taught me or anyone in my family. There's never been anyone I've met in Ohio, even in North Dakota on the regular, even in all the places I've traveled. I'm 61 now. I've been to a lot of places. I've never met anyone who officially said, yeah, I was taught how I create my sense of reality. It's not been a problem. I've never met that. And that's what this mission is just really helping people. I mean, the fact is that if there's pressure of our shirt on our shoulders right now, feel it, move those shoulders. And yet until I reminded someone, it was unconscious. Mm -hmm. And the moment we understand that if the pressure of my shirt on my shoulders of forgetting I got glasses on or the fact I've got feet inside socks and I'm forgetting these sensations because they become unconscious, then whatever it is we do a lot and whatever it is we do at all, the mind's up like, oh, we don't need approval for that anymore. Let it go unconscious. We're automatically reaching for that drink or whatever that is. We're automatically saying those things, doing those things. But if I no longer function by the subconscious automatic and I understand executive function that I can choose whatever comes up to act on or not, by having that first experience of realizing that it's happening independent. So whatever memory's coming up, eh, it's just coming up. Whatever sensations in the body. How many times have I had to go to the restroom to go pee? And I'm like, oh, I can't go. There's a sensation. It goes away. Why, why am I not doing that with memories? And other stuff? Why am I not really understanding that if I can think about food and my mouth waters, 
because the mind is treating it as real. If we can be an adult and do something in the middle of the night and an orgasm, there's nobody there but us, then we can create a reality in there that the body doesn't know the difference. It's going to act out. We're acting it out in life. And here we are wondering why our life is the way it is, because no one ever taught us the difference between the firstborn and our first created, which is this belief-based us. And we're trying to use that belief-based us to solve our problems. But my thoughts of Santa, my memories of the past, whatever these things are, they don't come with function. They come with the memory of me maybe questioning a thought, but it doesn't come with function. So the identity that we have doesn't have the ability of solving problems in it. The firstborn does. The true us, the authentic us, is what's made the difference. I found me again. I realized that there was a journey that we needed to take. I needed to find my way home again before the lostness took place. And that's been the journey. It's incredible. That's just awesome. absolutely incredible to watch people turn their lives around, regardless of who they are, regardless of their age, regardless of cultural background, because we're working with the human being, mm -hmm. not who they think they are, the content. And it's a quick fix, because how do I solve this? Let's show you what's there all the time. The pressure of your shirt on your shoulders, you just become unconscious of you. It's incredible what happens. Oh, I'm just hanging on every word because I just absolutely resonate with the things that you're saying so you wrote a book yeah yeah uh, we're about to release that i've actually written 12 for the last oh, 18 years <laughs> i average one about a year and then we'll do some revisions and edits but uh -huh. all of this material has just been for students and clients i've never this is 2023 is my year my 18th year of doing this we're now releasing this to the world and people ask why did you take for so long because somebody might believe what i say and I needed to know without a doubt of outcome that I can guarantee that I understand what's going to happen. There's no mysteries anymore. And so when someone comes on board, I know how to help them. Yeah. And really what's happening is we're really showing them how to help themselves. Mm -hmm. Because now they'll no longer need me again. They're back to this autonomous, self-sufficient, fully capable whole healthy human being that can go out and do whatever it is they want now. And to me, that's pleasure. When I watch someone, when I'm reading an email of, hey, this is what I took, I get goosebumps. That's, I, our staff go, we just got paid. <laughs> because that's how we look at this. Yeah. I, it's really I, nice. That's the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. You just heard good news about somebody else's good news, and that's how you get paid. And yes. that's brilliant. I love that. I absolutely adore that. So your school, your academy, let's talk about that for a few minutes. How did that come about? What did, just tell me the evolution of the academy. I love trying new things. Mm -hmm. And when I couldn't sleep and with insomnia, I bought this little pyramid and inside it had this copper rounded tube and if you put it under your pillow it'll solve insomnia now i was so deep into my own suffering i was willing to try anything and the more i see out there in the spiritual community and in the medical community that there really aren't solutions anymore there's treatments and there's a bunch of crap mm -hmm. 
Now, it doesn't mean there's some ama- not some amazing people out there. There are. But I had to take it under my own need to build a place for me to be able to learn. And then friend wanted to learn. And then their family wanted to learn. And within a short period of time, I now have an academy that's teaching this to 50 people every month that have been doing a private program since 2006. And now releasing it to the world, people have a safe place to go of individuals that know exactly what they're going through and understand how to bring them back home again. And then the academy itself is called the Inside In Academy. It's because our work is an inner work. I find it fascinating that for years, they were trying to give me external solutions to solve an internal problem. And they were trying to give me physical solutions to solve a virtual problem. I couldn't solve an identity problem, a belief-based problem, a memory problem, because it's internal, it's virtual. So the academy is based on finding inner solutions for inner problems. And it's the most unique thing you'll ever experience because it works. And it brings us back to our natural bios, the truth of who we are. And that I'm officially releasing worldwide on my mom's birthday, which happens to be Mother's Day in just a couple of weeks. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Listen, so when you seek people to become part of your academy, you're looking for what type of people? Are you looking for business people, nurses, doctors, lawyers, like what kind of folks, regular plain old Janes? What are you looking for? There's three groups of amazing people that we work with. The first is of people. And that's the moms and dads, right? The parents, the sisters, the brothers, the individuals that know within their family structure, they could really use some solutions because we're part of this family inheritance. So-and-so had this when they were, and it seems like I'm acting that way and on and on. So the gift of all of this is families, individuals and families. And that's my core why I'm here. Then as I did that for a long time, I realized that I can make a bigger difference working with churches and youth groups. Mm-hmm. And right. And so that's where next is our goal, mm-hmm. is to get this out from the individual to the youth groups and substance abuse programs and every place that actually works with individuals where their diagnosis is it's, it's a disease and you're helpless. Right. Okay. The last part is that we want to change industry. I want to then be able to speak at a level, because I've taught at colleges, I've taught this before, I want to be able to speak where we're now teaching the trainers that are training the new therapists, that are training the new individuals out. So we're taking this from the grassroots of the individual to the community and then to the industry. I built it backwards because I've been doing the industry part for a while while I've been doing the coach, the community, Mm -hmm. and the individual. And I'm just excited because had it not been for these insights, had it not been for my background, had it not been, and I just feel fortunate that this is where my life came to, that there's just no other thing I can do. My quote of be ashamed to die until you've won some victory for humanity. Mm -hmm. Of course, man, I live by that. And so 
if you're a, an individual or if you're a family member or if you're a coach or course grader, you're trying to understand how to make a difference in someone's life, or you're in the industry, you're a professional, these are things that we can help you with because we've been doing it for 18 years. And now the solution is available. We didn't have this in the market before, mm-hmm. but we do now. That's we do awesome. Now. Let me ask you, for those out there who may be listening, who say, I'm a loner, I don't need people, I don't need help or techniques to help me, I'm happy being alone and being who I am, what would you say to them? First, I love you, and thank you for everything that you've done up to this point to survive, and I'd like now to show you how to thrive as you, because the idea of separation is a folk idea. It's not true in reality. We can pretend that I'm living in my home and there's nobody else out there and food's delivered and I don't have to have any, don't have to have any interaction. But the fact is that someone's made everything that you're eating. Someone's done all of this. So we can pretend that I'm isolating, but we're not. And that's the illusion of the mind, that we can pretend and treat it that way. And so for anyone who's a loner, I know the loners. I know the depressed the hiding in your room, the not wanting to go outside, the putting covers on windows. I know the individuals because I was that individual. And all I can say is that we have to stop using our mind and emotions for us. We're going to stop using it against us and start using it for us. Because when we understand that the human mind is the only thing that I've ever found capable of being taught to tell itself it's broken, And when the human mind is taught to tell itself it's broken, it can also tell itself that there's no solution, no cure. The human mind can be taught to tell itself it's a loner. The human mind can be taught to tell itself it's not a reader. My question is that who are we? Who would that loner be when they're not under the influence of those thoughts and beliefs? Because there's a you there that wants to come out and play There's a you there that's happy and healthy and whole, but there's the ideas and beliefs that they're under the influence of no different than I. Had I not seen the thought for the first time in almost 45, 50 years that that I saw it happen, it wasn't me, it was happening too. It's the same thing. And so I love you. I love anyone that's hearing this, that has been told helplessness is their diagnosis, that that they're not this, they're not that. It's impossible. I know up to this point that's been true. But this is like the wheel. 4,000 years ago, somewhere on earth, bended the wheel. Do you know no one else on earth knew about it? Only the person or people around that person on that little chunk of land on earth? It was said it took another 1,300 years for someone in the area of China to invent the wheel. Think about this. 1,300 years went by. And they didn't find it from someone else. They discovered it themselves. And this is like all of our problems. Just because I grew up in a bubble here, or I've lived for 61 years, and I think I know, I don't. Because most of the answers I've found to help my students and me came from outside of the area in which I live, and outside of the area that I'm used to mentally being in. And to me understanding that most of our answers come from the area that I don't know that I don't know, I have to be willing, have to, if I truly want to solve the problem, if I want to stop suffering, I have to have faith and trust one thing, that maybe, maybe there's a solution. And I know 
people have been buying and trying stuff. You go to these big stores and there's this option and this yeah. and we just keep buying and trying. And pretty soon we just stay in this uncomfortable comfort zone because it's how we've survived. And I, there's a way out of that. There's a real way out of that. And so I just encourage everyone to really understand quote from one of my favorite movies that it is time to start living, get busy living. Yeah. I'm just flabbergasted that somehow life has turned into this. You probably the same. Everyone that yeah. has made a shift in their life just feels gratitude and fortunate that somehow I'm here. And and we're just going to keep up the good gift. fight. That's right. We are going to keep God, up the good fight. Just a gift. So if people were wanting to look for any of your content, your books, your teachings, any of that, where would they go? You can go to helpinghappyhelpers.com. I love it. <laughs> Helping Happy Helpers. Because we're all helpers. Right. I had to learn how to help me because other people didn't, per se. And in learning how to help me, I learned how to help you. It's just a matter of direction now. Mm -hmm. Go to Helping Happy Helpers, and we're going to show you some things in which we just talked about here. some other stuff that we're going to give. There's free tickets to my camp. It's an insight camp coming up here in a couple of weeks. There's another big free ticket for a big event we're doing online in a couple of months. I just want people to know that there's solutions out there. And that the life that they've wanted is still there waiting for them to show up. That's beautiful. And speaking from my 50 years on this planet, I hit a big shift a few years back. And I'm so glad I did because I have been a caregiver giving care without caring for myself for a long time. And when I realized that, and like, again, I said, you resonate so well with my belief system that's why I wanted you to come on the show. I wanted you to be here so that we can share this message to people that pleasure is available. We just have to let ourselves be open to it. And yes. it's really hard when you've been taught in certain ways that maybe you're not worthy enough for pleasure. Maybe you're not worthy enough to be happy. Maybe you come from a long line of miserable people. That doesn't mean it has, the buck doesn't stop here, bud. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to... What was it again? Happy Helpers. Sorry. Helping Happy Helpers. Helping Happy Helpers. I love it. I absolutely adore it. And you will be back on the show, Janiji. You will absolutely. We're going to follow you and see where this goes for you because I am invested in what you're doing and I believe in it. And I think that we should share as much as we can. So everybody out there. If you have not had a chance to look at what Janiji has to say, please check out his website. There will be links in the comments and there will be links on the YouTube and everywhere else. So please remember that you are not alone in this world, even though you might have thought you were. And this lovely gentleman is proof positive of that. Proof positive. I think we proof positive. positive and I'm a Pollyanna. I'll put my stamp of approval on that positivity. <laughs> 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 so Janiji closing now, is there anything else that you want to say before we go? Be gentle on yourselves. We're all learning. That is a fact. Beautiful words. And as always, you can find me, Polly and Amazing, at BarryPleasures.com, Barry Pleasures on Facebook, Instagram, 
the yucky Twitter, not so much. <laughs> Sometimes I'm on Twitter and definitely on TikTok, but that's also pitiful. So don't blame me for that. I just am out here spreading the word of love and kindness. So till next time, we will see you then. Have a good night. Bye.